It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, That was the beginning of Dr. Martin Luther King's famous I Have a Dream speech that he gave on a hot afternoon on August the 28th, 1963, in Washington, D.C., when he spoke to over 200,000 people at the Lincoln Memorial. Grammy winner Dr. Martin Luther King Did she say Grammy winner? Yes, indeed. Dr. King won a Grammy in 1971 for Best Spoken Word Album for Why I Oppose the War in Vietnam. Unfortunately, I don't have time to play it for you during the show, but visit Seaway.com to check it out and hear his other phenomenal speeches. Well, What else don't you know about Dr. King? All of us know the icon that Dr. Martin Luther King is. He has become a legend, and we know how his activism promoted equality. There is a national monument in his name, a public holiday that some people get to enjoy, why I I say some people because others of us have to be at work, but I'll save that divergence for another show. So to honor his legacy today, I thought it might be fun to talk about some aspects of his life that are not as well known. Let's start with the man's name. Did you know? that when he was born on January 15, 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. was listed as Michael King on his birth certificate. Apparently, Martin Luther King Sr.'s name uh, was, well, his nickname was Mike. So when the junior was born, the doctor very naturally assumed that his name must have been Michael. We all know people like this, right? Some guy calls himself Dick, and you assume his name is Richard, in and of itself doesn't really translate anyway. Uh, But then one day you find out that his name is actually Frank, and you're like, what the, you know, where does that even make any sense? But anyway, there you go, Mike, Michael, Martin. Much ado about Martin, 
Did you know that he had two siblings? Yes, indeed. Dr. King's parents, Martin Sr., a.k.a. Mike, and Alberta, had two other children, Willie Christine King and Alfred Daniel Williams King, also known as A.D. King. Martin Jr. was actually the middle child. Did I say the middle child? Yes, I did. With all he became, you'd have thought he was the oldest, wouldn't you? So what about these siblings that he had? So Alfred, or A.D., uh, was the baby. He got married at age 20, and he had five children. Phew! One, two, three, four, five. Five children. It was all I could do just to manage two. He graduated from the prestigious Morehouse College, and he became pastor at Mount Vernon First Baptist Church in Newnan, Georgia. He participated in the civil rights movement, but was never in the limelight the way his brother was. Both brothers were arrested along with 70 other people while participating in an October 1960 lunch counter sit-in in Atlanta. You might remember this. There were pictures. Um, there still are, in fact, lots of pictures of the sit-in and how they got arrested. It was, uh, there was some drama back then, honey. Um, in 1963, A.D. King became a leader of the Birmingham campaign while he was pastoring at First Baptist Church of Ensley in Birmingham, Alabama. And this resulted in, among other things, his house being bombed on May 11, 1963. Like his brother, though, Alfred was a staunch supporter of nonviolence and advocated it even in the face of the violence that was done to him to his family, to black people in general, as well as to protesters in the civil rights movement. Sadly, the younger King brothers struggled with alcohol and depression. I'm thinking, well, under the circumstances, that's not too much of a surprise, now is it? On July 21st, 1969, only nine days before his 39th birthday, A.D. King was found dead in the swimming pool at his home. The cause of death was listed as an accidental drowning, something his family had a hard time believing since apparently, according to his dad, he could swim. So who drowns in their own swimming pool when they can swim? Go figure. Based on my research, it doesn't appear, though, that any other alternative cause of death was ever identified. So you can draw your own conclusions about that. As for Dr. King's other sibling, Willie Christine King, the first child in the King family uh, is now known as Christine King Ferris. She is the oldest and only living sibling obviously, of the three. She is Associate Professor and Coordinator of the Learning Resources Center at the prestigious Spelman College in Atlanta. A true overachieving first child, as first children tend to be, 
She got her bachelor's from Spelman, her master's from Columbia University. She has authored several books and is a public speaker on various topics, including the King family, multicultural education, and teaching. For many years, she was vice chair and treasurer, treasurer of the King Center and has been active for several years in the International Reading Association and various church and civic organizations, including the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, more commonly known as the NAACP, as well as the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLC. Other family members, well, I told you about Martin Luther King Sr., who is uh, Dr. King's dad, then we talked about Alberta Williams uh, King a little bit. Uh, Alberta Williams King was the mom. And then Christine Ferris King was the sister. Alfred Daniel Williams King, A.D., was the brother. And Dr. King was married to Coretta Scott King, whom if you have paid any attention to the media at all, you will have seen uh, from time to time championing various uh, causes and making speeches and presentations and speaking about uh, a number of topics, including her family and um, all sorts of other issues affecting uh, black people in America today and the civil rights movement and the progress that we have made, etc., etc. Dr. Martin Luther King and his wife had four children. There is a daughter, Yolanda King, another daughter, Bernice King. Then there is Dexter Scott King, their son, and Martin Luther King III, their son. We could talk all day long about the family, but we're not going to. We're going to talk a little bit instead about his romantic life. Dr. King met the woman who would become his wife, Coretta, after he got her number from a mutual friend. Well, she did not like him because he was short at a paltry five foot seven. And uh, it could be that maybe that's why it took him a year to woo her. But she eventually relented. Guys, if you are short, this just goes to show that there is hope. Don't give up. I'm a short woman myself, but it's a lot more fun being short when you're a girl. Tall men love you, and all men tend to fall all over themselves to help you reach stuff. It's great. But anyway, as I like to say, and as you will see from, uh, as, as we all saw from Dr. King, dynamite really does come in small packages. <laughs> Well, we could go on some more about the King family, but let's leave that here and move on to the next fact uh, that we're going to talk about. And uh, we are going to chat a bit about his education and his career. Did you know that Dr. King skipped school? Well, okay, it's not quite what you're thinking. Dr. King skipped two grades in high school. He skipped ninth and 11th grade, and he entered college 
none other than the prestigious Morehouse College in Atlanta at the tender age of 15 in 1944. Wow! I know. You can imagine starting college at 15. I mean, I can't even begin to think about what that had to be like. But anyway, he survived that, and he graduated by age 19 with a bachelor's degree in sociology. Clearly a very bright fellow. So anyway, he graduates from college, and rather interestingly, or at least I thought it was interesting, he wasn't really sure about all that Christianity and Bible stuff. His dad was a Baptist minister. His granddaddy had been a Baptist minister too. And as we talked about earlier, his brother was a Baptist minister. So against this legacy, this backdrop, he tells his dad he doesn't want to be a minister. He's thinking that perhaps he would rather be a lawyer or maybe he would prefer to be a doctor. Now, before you go knocking his career aspirations, let me remind you that there are many, many worthwhile doctors out there. And in case you're wondering about the lawyers, Mahatma Gandhi was a lawyer. So anyway, he goes on about his merry way and ultimately becomes a minister because Apparently, he decided that the Bible had, and I quote, many profound truths one cannot escape, close quote. He entered the seminary, uh, the seminary at Crozer Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, and he graduated with his Ph.D. at the age of, are you ready, at the age of 25. Hmm. What were you doing at age 25? Well, I certainly wasn't anywhere close to a PhD, I can tell you that. But his track record as an overachiever did not stop there. Dr. King became the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. And at that time, he was only... 35. Can you believe it? So he donates the $54,000 prize money from the award to civil rights causes. What a guy. To this day, he remains the youngest male to win a Nobel Peace Prize. I say the youngest male because the youngest person to ever win it is a woman by the name of Tawakol Carmen of Yemen. She was just 32 when she won it in 2011 with two other phenomenal women for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peace-building work. Now, at the top of our show, you have the privilege of listening to a snippet of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And at this point, I'm going to take a break so you can listen to a little more of that speech. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. 
I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. If you don't know this already, you won't be surprised to hear that there actually was a first assassination attempt before the one that killed Dr. Martin Luther King. A mentally ill black woman named Isola Ware Curry stabbed Dr. King on September 20, 1958 at a book signing in Harlem. He was signing copies of his book, Stride Toward Freedom, when Isola Curry asked him if he was Martin Luther King Jr. When he told her he was, she said, I've been looking for you for five years. And then she pulled out a letter opener and stabbed him in the chest. It took three hours to remove the blade because the sharp end of, his blade, of the blade was actually pressing against his aorta. And if the doctors were not careful, they would have punctured his aorta and he would have died. In fact, his doctor told him that had he sneezed during that time, his aorta would have been punctured and he would have drowned in his own blood. Now, there's a bit of information you don't want to hear until the end, right? Because I can imagine if that was me and the doctor said, okay, whatever you do, don't sneeze for the next three to four hours. The first thing I'd have thought of was what? I'm going to sneeze. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to sneeze. Anyway, moving on. Um, speaking of his assassination, you know or should know that Dr. King was murdered on April 4th, 1968 in Memphis. But did you know that he wasn't the only one to die at the Lorraine Motel that day? Guess who else died? Lorraine. Lorraine of the Lorraine Motel, the woman whose husband opened the motel and named it after her. Lorraine apparently was so shocked when she witnessed his assassination that she had a heart attack, which later killed her. The quirky thing about this was that Lorraine also just happened to be 
escort operator at the motel. Now, to those of you who are babies and don't understand what that means, back in the day, there were no cell phones or speed dial phones. So if you wanted to make a phone call, you had to call the switchboard operator to connect you. Since Lorraine had a heart attack, when Reverend Samuel Kyle attempted to call an ambulance using the phone in the motel room, he was another civil rights um, uh, supporter, and actually Dr. King talks about him in some of his speeches. Um, But anyway, uh, when uh, Reverend Kyle tried to call the ambulance using the phone in the motel room, there was nobody at the switchboard to connect the call. And therefore, the ambulance was delayed. Go figure. The other interesting thing is that while we're on the topic of death, you might not have known that Dr. King's mama, Alberta Williams King, was also murdered, killed, while attending church in Atlanta in 1974 by a 23-year-old man, Marcus Wayne Chenault, who believed that, I quote, all Christians are my enemies, close quote. He shot and killed her while she was playing the organ at the church. What a weird reason, huh? Everybody's, uh, you know, all the crazy people seem to be showing up at the king's doorstep trying to kill somebody. Um, This just says to me, frankly, that when it's your time to go, it's just your time to go. Crazy person with a letter opener, crazy person who shows up hating Christians. I mean, when it's your time, it's your time. And um, maybe sometimes the how doesn't really matter as long as the goal is achieved, right? So anyway, that's what I got out of that. And clearly the letter opener incident, that was not Dr. King's time. But on the other hand, you know, I have to say I would much rather die in church playing the organ than uh, have a heart attack on top of a prostitute and some die, right? Uh, Now, that didn't happen to any of the kings. But I do know one lawyer in Ohio a few decades back who did go that way. But we digress. Back to Dr. King. You may know that at the time of his assassination, he was standing out on the balcony of his hotel room at the Lorraine Motel. But have you ever wondered what he was doing out there in the first place? Uh, Some of you will know the answer. He was smoking. Dr. King was a smoker, and that's why he was on the balcony that day, getting some air, taking a smoke. Now, there aren't a lot of pictures of him lighting up, and uh, apparently he was, uh, but he was a regular smoker, as it turns out. He didn't want his kids to take up the habit. By then, it had, you know, already a stigma attached to it, so he didn't like having photos of himself taken smoking. According to Reverend Kyles, that man who was trying to call the ambulance after Dr. King was shot, before the ambulance took Dr. King away, Reverend Kyle said he removed the packet of cigarettes from Dr. King's pocket and got rid of the cigarette butt partially to try and hide the fact that Dr. King was smoking at the time he was shot. And if you ask me, I would say to you that uh, for all of those uh, people out there listening, the moral of the story is don't smoke. 
Here is a fact that actually kind of cracked me up when I read it. Can you believe that Dr. King uh, actually got a C in public speaking? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he did, child. During his first year in seminary, now it's not clear how it is that he got a C because his dad said even before going to seminary, Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the best public speakers he had seen. Whatever caused his professor to give him a C, by his final year, Dr. King was getting straight A's. He was the valedictorian of his class, and he was the student body president. Hello there. So now let's get into our final stretch. Just four days after his assassination on April 4, 1968, the notion of a national king holiday was first proposed. But from 1968 until 1986, it didn't happen. 68, 86? I tend to think maybe there was um, some divine poetic intention in the juxtaposition of those dates. But anyway. It was 18 years later that Congress finally passed legislation to honor the activist with a holiday. It was signed into law by President Ronald Reagan, God bless him, with the first Martin Luther King holiday on January the 20th. And that was, does anybody know? It was 1986. Yes, indeed. It took so long, partly because in the years after his death, some members of the public and politicians viewed King as a radical, a communist, uh, an agitator who did not deserve such recognition. Well, you know, not terribly surprising now, is it? The state of Arizona was among the last to recognize the King holiday. And uh, in protest, I thought this was kind of interesting, the National Football League relocated Super Bowl 27 from Arizona to California because of Arizona's refusal to honor the King holiday. Way to go, NFL. Well, if there's one thing we love, it is our football, and uh, it, sometimes it just takes a nudge by the right motivator in order to change things. So... We love our football, and in 1992, Arizona agreed to recognize the King holiday. They get no applause for that one. It wasn't until the year 2000, can you believe it, as recently as the year 2000, that all 50 states officially observed Martin Luther King Jr. Day. After Arizona in 1992, came New Hampshire in 1999, and Utah in the year 2000. Well, they get no applause for that one either. It was about time. Boo. Anyway, there are only two other people in American history that have a national holiday in their honor. Did you know that? And do you know who they are? Um, I'll spare you the suspense. One is George Washington. 
and the other is Christopher Columbus. As such, then, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is actually the only native-born United States citizen to have a national holiday in his honor. Now, if you're thinking, well, wasn't it George Washington who was born in Virginia? Remember that the United States did not exist when he was born. Visit over 700 streets in the United States that are named after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with one such street in almost every major city. I live in Minneapolis. There's a Martin Luther King Jr. I live in Chicago. There's a Martin Luther King Jr. Um, street. This is not even counting the amazing number of buildings, schools, and the like named after him. So it is that on January the 20th, we celebrate the history and the legacy of this amazing man who influenced so many and who led scores and scores of civil rights activists to stand for what is right and make the life we enjoy as black people, as racial minorities, as the global melting pot of cultures and colors and creeds that we have, uh, as well as the life that we have more specifically in America, possible. So until next week, this is Theoy saying go in peace and love one another. This will be the day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring. From the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania, let freedom ring. From the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado, let freedom ring. From the curvaceous slopes of California, but not only that, let freedom ring. From Stone Mountain of Georgia, let freedom ring. From Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. From every mountainside. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.